Smith. I'm Colleen Smith. No, no relation. relation. With us as always is Ian Phone Smith. Live. Uh, related to me. Not related to me. Tonight's theme is con. Yeah, the first time I was con or conned someone. Yeah. A con. And with us, we have very exciting guests that are going to lead to hijinks and confusion. Um, <laughs> our first guest is Ian Gary. Not Hello. related to either of us. Yes. Hi, Ian. Hi, how's it going? Well, tell us about yourself. Oh, well, I'm a humble man of humble means. Um, That's why you're here. I, I'm assuming I know everybody here from the same way that most of you know each other, which is the Groundlings Theater. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. That's where I came through. Um... So that that's how I know Colleen for sure, because Colleen went through Sunday. And then with uh, with Katie Rose, that's also how I know her. And with Ian through Colleen. And then with Mary Jo. I don't even know how we got to know each other. I, Facebook. Facebook, yeah. So we, we started... I fell in love with you on Facebook. Yeah, so we... we <laughs> I'm, I'm vociferous, is that the right word? Sure. On Facebook? Mm-hmm. Uh, about my political opinions. And, and we melded that way. And then we saw each other at a couple of marches. And we were like, why don't we be best friends for life? Yeah! And then we were. <laughs> and then we were. So I think um, that's probably the... Uh, full extension of me. That's fine. We didn't know um, that. What do you do for a living? Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I do, well, I wanted to gush if I could. Sure. Um, you know, I, I act in things. Mm-hmm. I act and write in things. I commercial stuff. Yeah. It's like my main Very do. commercial. I'm very commercial. I'm a very I'm commercial I'm always prolific. excited and I see you frequently so on the television. there's, um, I, there's a, uh, I'll do a Super Bowl commercial this year. Oh, really? Yay. Big time. Yay, it's for the Hyundai. Oh, the Hyundai. I hope it more, I hope it airs more than just, just the Super Bowl because that would suck a whole bunch of dicks. you get the, pay the same, right? Yeah, because it would be like better if it ran more than well, that. that's a Super Bowl, that's awesome. No, but it's like if it only runs once, then it's a super bummer. Oh. Yeah. So I, I hope it runs more than that. But yeah, so that's that's my lot in life. Okay. That's, that's how I've carved a, a, a decent... Uh, vein in this world. Well, our fun fact is uh, a movie. What? Tell us your favorite movie about comedy. Yeah, as soon as you said it, it popped up. So the the theme of the evening is uh, the first time you were cr- like crossed, right? The first yeah. time you were conned. Tricked, yeah? yeah. So uh, this one is a movie that has a con in it, and mine is very clear, which is Braveheart. It popped in my head so immediately because it's so visceral for me. Uh-huh. Which is in Braveheart, um, Mel Gibson is an anti Semitic lunatic. Yes. In real right? life. In, in real movie. life. Not in the movie. <laughs> yeah. In the movie, he's just anti British. I'll never take my Jewish neighbors. <laughs> in the movie, he's just anti British. But in real life, he's very anti Semitic. So that's a bummer. But removing him and his world. From this film, he wrote, or he didn't write, but he directed and acted in Braveheart. And there is a scene in Braveheart where, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Robert, Robert the Bruce, Bruce double crosses him. He cons him, right? And he gets hit with uh, their, you know, their jousting or whatever. And he gets hit, and he realizes that. Robert the Bruce is actually in league with the crown. He's not a, a part of the rebellion for the Scottish. And Mel Gibson eats shit. Braveheart eats shit. And he sits there and he's just like, You can't see this, obviously, over a microphone. <laughs> but it is 
acting on its finest, le- like every degree of heartbreak mm. and shame and confusion. It's like on that Megan's guy is real. super racist, but he's a really good actor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that for me is like my defining con no, moment. Came right into your head. Yeah, now, Ian Gary. Do you feel like the other con is is the Braveheart is Robert the Bruce? Yeah, yeah. They yeah, conned easily. you with that movie. No. The name Braveheart was Robert the Bruce's name. Oh, okay. Not because you're talking Wallace's about like Rob Roy William and all Wallace that. Existed though. Yeah. Yes, that movie. Everything is wrong in that movie. Yeah. And one of the big things that's wrong is the person, the legendary figure named Braveheart is Robert the Bruce. Yeah. Not William Wallace. Yeah. There's a lot. My uncle was a real deep Scottish historian. Like he knew our whole thing back to like the year four. He knows all of it. And I remember him complaining when that movie came out of like, this isn't accurate and this actually happened here and whatever. So yeah, it's a, it's a lot of inaccuracy, but... But I know that scene you're talking about. Yeah, oh man, sense. it's a heartbreaker. That's mine. All right. That's mine. Katie Rose. Hello, Katie Rose. Oh. Hello. I'm Katie Rose Donahue. Mm-hmm. And I'm, what do I have to say? I am, uh, uh, I'm an actress. Mm-hmm. Or an actor, sure. sure. Depending on how pretentious I feel like being today, um, and I've recently uh, discovered uh, that, well, because I've been asked to do it a few times, that I'm good at emceeing things. Ooh. So that's a new, it's a newfound. Uh, it's fun. Gig, yeah, it's cool. Good to know. Yeah, it, it's really fun what to type do. Emceeing. I've done like a couple. Well, I host a a stand-up show. And I've been told that it's very strange because I'm very positive and uplifting. And I like say nice <laughs> things about the comics. And they and like all the comics are like, can you host all the shows I do? Um, and then also uh, an arts festival that I've emceed a few times in Altadena. And it's like a huge like red carpet event. And they have very dramatic p- entertainment pieces and storytelling. And then there's comedy. St- it's very strange. Like all over the place, very eclectic, and That's awesome. I've had to like negotiate, <laughs> like taking people from a very dark place into it. Now we're gonna draw for the 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 silent auction, you know. <laughs> um, and I found out that I'm like pretty good at this, and it has to have come from my like upbringing of trying to make peace, make sure everyone's having a nice time. Are you from the Midwest? I'm from New Jersey. Oh. I'm just Irish Catholic guilt. Got it. Yeah. And I took care, I just take care of everyone else's feelings. Like, make sure everyone's having a nice time. That's good. When you get to my story, I'll need you to take care of my feelings. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Pay it off. Pay it forward. And what's your favorite movie with a con in it? First one I thought of was... Trading Places. Ah, that's a good one. It's so good. This is the thing. I rewatched it <laughs> maybe two years ago. I think my parents have it on DVD. They actually have it on DVD, not just VHS. And I, I rewatched it, and it was so good. And I was like, see, this holds up. This holds up, like, the whole time. <laughs> and then we got to the third act, and uh, who is it, Dan Aykroyd? Yeah. Dan Aykroyd, where's blackface? Did everyone forget about that part of the movie? (laughs) You forgot! And Jamie Lee Curtis is topless. Jamie Lee Curtis is topless. He wears, uh, uh, Dan Dan Aykroyd wears blackface and (laughs) pretends to be like an African. Yeah, he's like, um, yo, yo. And he he has like a, uh, one of the whips that keep the. The cat of nine tails or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, no, no, what's happening? And then then they put him in a, 
in a cage. And first of all, why is there a gorilla in a cage? Yeah, and then there's like And then the rape. gorilla rapes the guy. You like, it is the you, third act. You were conned by that movie the first time you saw it. And now you know. But it's so good. And when he, when they say like, oh, and the Dukes are in the, in the, in the John. And then uh, Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd go like, Oh, you won the bet one dollar. And they give each other the dollar. It's so good. Yeah. It's the best con movie. We used to do no. the stupid. No, I, well, in my opinion. <laughs> Dirty rotten scoundrels. Ian, you stole mine. Oh. oh. I was going to ask well, Ian Smith. Yeah. Well, yeah. now you know. Are we doing our favorite movies? Yes. Oh, mine would be all about Eve. <laughs> oh. You think that's a con? Oh, it's a total con. She's a total con. She cons them all, Eve. Cons. But then she loses. <laughs> She's a real con. She loses in the end. It's a double cross. Yeah. Betty Davis always wins. Mm. Drop the mic. So in the end. Yes, she does. Um, I was going to say Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Well, take the sting, then. Well, that, I, ah, it's funny. I mentioned the sting. I like the sting a lot, but That's it's all about Dirty Rotten movie. Scoundrels. Paul Newman and Robert Redford and I'm, Robert Shaw. I'm more Robert of a Shaw. I'm more of a Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid or yeah, Cool good. Hand Luke person, Ian. Yeah. Electric Horseman? <laughs> um, okay, so I'm okay. gonna get this show on hey, the road. How about a right. story about being conned, Colleen? Um, okay, so uh, I suggested this topic, and I have very little to say about it. <laughs> um, the the biggest one that stands out, which is it doesn't have a lot of layers or depth to it. And I might have even talked about this already. Um, you know, when you move to LA, you have no idea how to become an actor, and you think you'll get discovered or something will happen, and then about a weekend you get desperate and terrified, and um, they're, they exist today because in this day and age, because Ian just saw an apartment building that had a paper flyer. Santa Monica Airport offices had paper flyers for actors. But, you know, back in the late 90s when I came here, there were lots of flyers out for extra work that was going to make mm-hmm. put you in Hollywood movies yeah. and various Ooh. acting classes and all that kind of stuff. Yes, and back in the LA Weekly ads. Yeah, ads, lots yeah. of stuff. And now that's on extra or uh, on LA casting or whatever. Yeah, it's all online. It's the same con, it's just online instead of, you know, old-fashioned paper. So, of all of these things, I I went out I th- I think I took as I didn't drive, I took a bus like a very long distance out to go to some extras casting call and I think you paid money oh no maybe or you just went handed in a headshot or like took a picture and the idea would be because actually extra work on commercials is very lucrative Mm -hmm. if you're in the if you're a if you're union in the loop but the thing you don't realize about that is they have a loop they have a gaggle that they hire and they don't usually hire you unless you're very specific to something they need so it's its own con um, and then I, so nothing was happening and my older sister had taken classes in Hawaii at John <laughs> Robert Powers. Oh, yes. Oh, this is where you used to live, correct? Uh, Hawaii is where I grew up. Yes, yes. Right. Uh, so they had a school out here and they were on Sunset in this big, tall, beautiful building. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it's like Sunset and Doheny or something very or Sunset legit. and Robertson. Yeah, yeah very, very right legit. On, right on yeah, yep. big, gorgeous building. And so I was like, I mean, it's got to be real. Yeah. They wouldn't have a building there. Mm-hmm. So um, 
I went in with my sister, you know, she drove me there and uh, we went in for the casting call, you know, so you go in and they, they take you to a room and you sit in front of five people and they tell you stuff about yourself and... <laughs> And there was oh, the line. They tell you. Yourself. Well, they like review so. you. So I like, you know, I was 19, maybe still 18 at the time. Um, no, I think I was like 19 and I got told to drink more water. That would help with my pimples. Yeah. This wasn't an audition. This was like getting feedback. Getting people. feedback and to yeah. then take their classes, basically. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then... Uh, <laughs> Oh Another woman God. told me something that kind of sounds like a humble brag, but it's it's not. And I never took it as a compliment and I don't mean it as a compliment, which is she said, you could do maybe plus size modeling. What? Oh, no. And then she went, no, I think you're maybe too small for plus size modeling, yeah. which was then the idea of like, you're not enough of anything to do anything here, <laughs> um, <laughs> but you're pimply and tall. Yeah. Uh, so, but still the idea. <laughs> The idea was I should start taking modeling classes. Oh, really? Yes. Did you? Uh, I did. Now this is the this is where it's really stupid. Is I my first job that I'd had out here? Um, they gave us a Christmas bonus, and I got a big Christmas bonus. I got at least a grand, which where is crazy. Working? I was working at this place called Room of the View, and it was like an upscale furniture store. I was a gift wrapper, but they gave me like wow. a nice That's- bonus. Kind of crazy. That's kind of insane. I've Uh, never. I know. I have never. So I had like a chunk of money and I bought a pack of classes. So I spent it all. I spent it all on John Roberts Powers classes. And my older sister was like, you spent it all? And it was like watching all those Scientology documentaries where they're like, they just pressured me for money and I did it. I bought classes. I was like, idiots. I'm like, oh, Oh. you bought classes. You spent a thousand dollars at least on classes there. When you had no money. Right. You, didn't, you didn't have a car. You could have mm-hmm. bought a car with that. Well, Literally. Yeah. Well, in the late 90s. Yeah. yeah. I could have bought a, I could have bought a, a lot of things. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then uh, I, t- I, I bought a pack of classes and I went to my modeling class. And this is the other fun thing is we didn't live anywhere near that area of town and driving to that area of town to take a seven o'clock class is a nightmare. And so my older sister would drive me there in horrible traffic from Venice. Um, Yeah, she was a good sister. Or she is a good sister. (laughs) Oh, Heather, if you're listening. Um, And she drove me there and I think I went to a total of three classes which were bullshit. Like there was a woman who was a model who told us not to wear clothes that made put marks in your body. Uh, great advice. Great advice. Yeah, yeah. Because you have to advice. take your clothes off. Yeah. You have to take your clothes yeah. off. You That's don't have marks. But like supermodel, I mean a swimsuit model. Any stuff. person will tell you the minute you get to the set disrobe, you gotta yep. get rid of the bra. Marks. You gotta get yep. the marks off. Uh, we did <laughs> something. I learned that when I try to model walk, I put put my uh, right arm behind me. Oh. Weirdly. Uh, which I still do. It's odd. Um, and that's kind of all I've retained from it. Oh, she told a story once of being horribly sunburned and then how the makeup artist covered up her sunburn. These are the three things I retained from that lesson. I never went back again. So I just gave. You gave them your thousand. I gave them my $1,000 and didn't yeah. take a what single class. Think about how many choice. thousands of dollars they made right. off people just like you. Exactly. That's all they did. I know that name. I know that it's a scam. Even if it's like 80 bucks. Right. Yeah, you're not going to go back. Well, what was the cutoff? What was the, I'm not going back? 
I think it was just Heather having to drive me there was too nuts and I wasn't getting anything out of it and I wasn't having fun. And you're like, fuck it. And just fuck it. And I could have asked for my money back. I took one class. I'm sure that oh, you class. Didn't take the classes you, you paid only for? No. You took one class for I took three classes of one you class. You yourself. I oh conned myself. You took God. three classes of I, one. This was like a, a class you could take and I think it probably had like, you know, six or seven classes and then you would move but on to a different class, like I a commercial like acting if class. You've already or, given them the money. Then it's like, well, what's the secondary con? Yeah. The secondary con is the time. Yeah. So, like, That's I've already true. lost the money. I'm not going to give them Fuck my it. time. I'm not going to give them the rest of my time. Yeah. So, like, you've already given the money. Okay. Walk away with your time. You yeah. But I, hey, I'm sure I could have said, like, hey, I decided not to take any more classes. Can I get a <laughs> refund? I could have done you that. You could have done that. For uh, sure. I could have probably. Sure because they aren't a, like, cult religion. They are yeah. just a business yeah. that... And if Yelp has to pay Sunset and Doheny rent, no. I know, and I, I've never yeah. checked, but I think they're still there. Mm-hmm. Really? Um, there must be. It must be harder for them to do what they do now that the internet yes. exists. Um, it but it's it's amazing. And then Ian, you you mentioned something else where I got conned, and I can't remember today. Ian Smith. Well, this is dead air. We don't remember anyway. There was something else where I gave somebody money or did something that was stupid and I thought it was real. Anyway, it's not the world's most exciting story. But it's true. It's true. Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) That idea. It's not, it's not funny, but it's it's true. true. It's it's like (laughs) telling somebody when they're on stage, you were really up there. Uh Oh, um, but that's my con. Who says you were really up there? You, you did it. You. Look at you up there. <laughs> oh my god. Hey, good for you up there. Audience and the lights. Up there. It's like that thing where you go, well, uh, thank you for going first. You know, you, 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 you paved the way for others. Hey, way to be up there. So, guys, maybe I'll think of what the other thing is and ruin someone else's story. But that, that's my con story. Yay! Yay! Improv teachers. Hmm. Do it. Okay. <laughs> Katie Rose. Katie Rose, okay. I can't wait. Um, so I want to preface my, uh, I don't have one specific, specific, I mean, I kind of do, but I just want to <laughs> preface it that I'm going to talk about my brother who passed about 12 years ago. Okay. He passed, but I look back on my childhood with him. I look back at everything with him and it's, it was so fun and so hilarious and I love to tell the stories and um, even at his funeral, we had a little card that had an excerpt from a poem that says, don't speak of me and cry, but think of me and laugh. It was heaven here with you. And, and I it's reverence. Yes. And I love talking about him. And um, he was a little con man. <laughs> uh, Michael Patrick Donahue. Oh, that is an Irish yes. name. Yes. Yeah. Michael Patrick. Mike D. Mike Day from Jersey, okay, and um, and my brother was a genius. He he was an actual genius, and uh, eventually a bipolar schizophrenic. So Ooh. that kind of snowballed yeah. into that later in life. They go hand in hand. Yeah, he didn't sleep as a child. He he would be awake. My mom read him novels, novels, and uh, and he would just be awake. I mean, and she'd be like, "The sun's coming up," and our eight year old wow. is still listening to me read so he he just and then he would sleep for like two days straight or he'd fall asleep on his on the stairs on the way up the stairs he'd fall asleep wow you know and he was just that's how he was 
he was very special. And um, he, uh, he figured something out pretty early on. He was a capitalist, for sure. <laughs> um, so he was in the Little League, just like all-American, Little League kid. He was good at sports. He was a healthy kid who, who, who was sociable, and, and he played sports. He had buddies, everything. And the Little League had a competition uh, for, you know, you had to sell candy bars. Uh-huh. And, uh... World's best chocolate. Yeah, he had to sell candy bars, really and whoever chocolate. sold the most candy bars got, a, like, a Commodore 64 computer. Ooh. And he was a huge computer guy, and, like... Yeah, you put the tape in, right? The, uh, the floppy disk. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was out, because <laughs> we had the one... We had one with the tape, and then he the got... He won yeah, that yeah. one, yeah. And he won it, so he sold the most candy, but what he figured out... In the in the th- because the next season whatever sports started the next season they were going to sell candy too and he he and that prize was a Nintendo and he was like I got it I got it and I, like what do you mean he figured out that they just bought the candy in bulk and then upcharged it so like Mike ten year old Mike just went and bought candy in bulk <laughs> put on his little league uniform and would stand out front of the Acme. Which is like a, the Ralphs. Good marketing. Yeah, and he sold candy, and then he bought himself the Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> so he he started early. He he was like on it. Well, Good marketing, amazing, amazing. And he would do it uh, the season when the seasons would change. It was like game time for him. So <laughs> he had his bicycle. He figured out a way to like bungee cord the lawnmower. To the back of the, his bicycle, and he would ru- he would ride his bike over to people's houses and knock on the door and say, "I know I've noticed that your grass is getting long. Do you want to mow it? Because I'll do it for you right now for ten bucks." And people would say, "Okay, do kid, it. go yeah. ahead, kid." And like they loved giving him, you know, ten bucks, and he was like, "Yeah," and he would just go from house to house. And went cut the grass though. Yeah, yeah, he would cut the grass. <laughs> yeah, no, no. He we was like, he was always <laughs> and pretty early on in his entrepreneurial life, he knew to cut in family. Like he was cutting me in pretty early on. He was four years older than me. Oh, he's but so Jersey. When the when the leaves were falling. He was like, come on, Kate, let's go. And I was just thrilled to hang out with my brother. Like, right. he's four years older than me. He had friends. Like, it was crazy. <laughs> I was like, let's go, yes. And I would go with him. We would go. Like, these kids, imagine just knocking on your door and being like, there's a lot of leaves on your lawn. <laughs> so we will uh, we'll help you with that if you pay us 15 bucks. I and mean, he would assess, like, the size of the house, the size of the yard, how many leaves. How many he, cars in the driveway. Yes, yeah. and he would know whether it was 10, 15, or 20 bucks to, like, what? rake the lawn for them. And I would help him. I don't remember if he cut me money then. 10%. Soon he's, yes, 10%. It would be like that, 10%. So then he got a paper route. And this is when it really went next level. He got a paper route, and he, uh, he had one paper route. And I would uh, put the rubber bands around the papers for him. So I don't know how much he got paid per paper, maybe 25 cents a paper. I got five cents for every rubber banded paper. <laughs> I, he hated rain days. He had the fun job, just ride around and right. throw the papers. And I did the hard part, the rubber bands, and get, your ink, get the ink all over your hands and everything. But on the rain days, I just had to put them in plastic bags. But he never figured out that he thought rain days were worse 
um, because he had to ride in the rain. But for me, it was easier because I didn't have to put the rubber band. I just had to put the paper in a plastic bag. So it was like easier. And he paid me 10 cents a paper on rain days. Um, But he was always cutting me in. And uh, and even in his 20s, he had two different businesses that did really well for himself. And he was always giving me little jobs here and there and trying to, you know, make me some money too. Wanted to share the wealth. Yeah, very, very sweet guy. Um, he, the one thing, one thing I wanted to say too, is that he in high school, so he got that Commodore 64 and then he became a hacker in high school. He was one of the kids that created AOL, which was a program that hacked AOL because he was like, the internet should be for everyone. Yeah. And he was like maybe 15 or 16 and they created a hacker program where you could just sign into AOL and you could go on the internet. And then he created. Because you yeah. had to pay to get on. Oh, yeah. And then he created a bookstore online. Like Amazon. Like Amazon. I made him a little ad. I think it was my junior of high school. So he was out of school maybe two years, and he created a, a bookstore online selling books on the internet. But it was like before people were really surfing the internet. This is like right. 1998. And he created a bookstore online. Um, and then, and I mean, Jesus. Wow. Jeez. Um, but the greatest con, and this was, this was kind of a mean con, and he had a couple mean cons, too. Um, and he, he thought he was hilarious. Once he put coal in my stocking, like he just took charcoal from the That's barbecue and put it in there. And I was like, ah! my parents That's were like, we will murder you. Um, but the greatest con was when he convinced me that I should switch bedrooms with him. Mm. <laughs> so my older sister and I had shared the bigger bedroom most of our life. We shared a bed and we shared a bedroom. And when she hit her teen years, my parents redid the, the basement and we had a playroom down there and they created a bedroom, like a teenage bedroom for Jane. <laughs> and Jane had shag carpeting. I mean, this bedroom was amazing. And she moved downstairs. And so then I, the youngest, had the biggest room upstairs and Michael convinced me that I should switch rooms with him. And he was like, it's smaller. It's easier to clean. <laughs> it is. There's bunk lying. beds. So when you have friends over, when you have friends over, it's so fun. When you have the bunk beds and you can make a fort out of the bunk bed. I mean, he had, this was a tiny little room. And he fully convinced me that I was making a smart choice and I switched rooms with him and it probably took me about a week to realize that he had hoodwinked me. My mom kept saying, are you sure? And I was like, it's going to be awesome. It's like my own cave, mom. (laughs) Like he like convinced me completely and he took the bigger room and he laughed and laughed and laughed. And you know what? I, I had to give it up to even then. Through my tears when I realized I had to give it up to him. He was a clever, clever kid. So that's my story. Oh, yeah. Why did you feel like you had to preface? I was, because I felt like if I tell this story, like, oh, these are the things he did as a kid. And then you go, oh, that's so great. What's he doing now? Yeah. And then I go, oh, well, actually, he passed. You know, so right. I felt like I yeah. needed to. Just giving us some. Just a heads yeah. up. Yeah. I like the legend. He's a legend. He is. And his buddies that, like, he grew up, his little running crew in Jersey, they all, like, follow me on Instagram and stuff. They're they're good guys. And, uh, yeah, Mike D. He was... Mike D from Jersey. Mike D from Jersey, yeah. Oh, here's to Mike. All right. right. We're cheersing, everyone. Cheers. I love it. There we go. Um, 
Uh, that reminded me of something that I is my first con. Oh. That I is. That I is that my I first is. con. Oh. And it involves Uh-oh. my brother, the oh. con artist. Oh. Real oh. quick. This is not. Yeah, the Superman story. Uh, We came. Ian for a a week convinced me and my sister that he was Superman. Oh, really? I did have a Superman costume. Yes. Made out of pale blue sweatsuit. It was my Halloween costume, but it was like a pale blue like felt sweatsuit. Yeah, it was like a warm (laughs) Superman costume, and it looked like you know the Superman George Reeves or what was his name? Christopher Reeves. No, before Christopher Reeves, the George George Reeves costume. That is kind of what it looked like. Yeah. Uh, no, but no. the original Superman on television was George, was George Reeves. Reeves. Was it? Yeah. yeah, he had a Reeves name. It was like a weird thing. Or George <laughs> Reeves or something. <laughs> but if you look at him, he has like a grayer suit and it's a little bit more loose like Ian's because it was like a sweat suit combo yeah. with that <laughs> Superman stuff. More authentic. More yeah. authentic. Uh, I think they just did it because it was cold and it was right, what my mom right. could buy. Uh, so one day we, Ian called me and Jennifer out and I was, the oldest I would have been was five, but probably four. He was like, get out here, get out here. And we came out and he, he was up high in a tree and we we're like, how did you get up there? And he was like, I flew. Um, and we were like, how did you flew? And he's like, cause I'm Superman. And then, uh, he, no one's paying attention. Sorry. I'm listening. Uh, I'm listening. So, and then the next thing was, Ian held a, we were like, you're not Superman. And then he held a rock and he crushed it. What? What? A but mud clump. mud. Yeah. Oh, I knew it. <laughs> classic oh. And, classic and then I believe the last one was, you were on the roof, right? No, no, no. I threw a rock. All the way oh, over the he roof. threw a rock all the way over the roof. That's a long way. But and it wasn't real. I, I threw it up, and then I threw another one up in the air, and we went around to the other side. And it which fell. Which was like two minutes later. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I was, the oldest I was, was or it was five. So it was either four or five, which means Ian was either seven or eight. Yeah. So seven or eight-year-old conning me. And I remember, actually, I think you didn't say you flew. You said you jumped into the tree, which is actually a, it's early good. Superman. It's still good. Early Superman. You said you jump. Uh, and then I don't remember. I think just a week later, we were like, "You're not Superman," <laughs> and it we, it just dissipated. But for a full week, yeah, I hundred percent believe that my brother was Superman. I mean, if anyone has older siblings, they know they're just like gods. Yeah. They're gods. Yeah. And I mean, even if they torture you, you're like, I deserved it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I looked up to my older siblings like, if they told me they were, I'd be like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was yeah. the oldest. They all hated me. Yeah. That's what you think. But really, we all adore Deuce. <laughs> I was the youngest and it was the same vibe. They all hated you? No. Oh. It, well, yes, but for a different reason. Oh, I see. Because you were the baby. Yeah. Got away with everything. They're like, we yeah. paved the way for you. Oh, yeah. There's that. Yeah. yeah. I uh, I was the youngest, and for me, it was like, I was conned in the way that I feel like most suburban, western American kids were, which was, it's western parents' original sin, which is Santa Claus. Oh. That's mine. Yes, of course. That's, That's the mine. original con. Yes. So, yes. so this is my preface of the original con, all right, which is... um. I started off a very sensitive kid. I was a indigo child. What does that mean? Oh, yeah. I'll back up and I'll, I'll tell you. Um, 
it, it's something that like if you're a uh, uh, what's her name from uh, Indigo Girls. No, 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 <laughs> not not because that would be too good. Um, my vibe of an Indigo Child is like if you're a Fleetwood Mac. Uh, what's her name? She's the best version Stevie of Nicks. Stevie, Stevie Nicks. Stevie Nicks. Yeah. If you're a Fleetwood Mac. Stevie Nicks, L.A. woman. It's like, oh, we have an indigo child. It means they're very into the world and they're like tapped free-spirited. in. free-spirited. Yeah, free-spirited. Uh-huh. That wasn't a thing in the 80s. In the <laughs> 80s, they were just like, Something's wrong. yeah, you're, you're gay, whatever. <laughs> but I would spend time with my like uncle, and my uncle would be like, oh, he's an indigo child. My uncle was like a... a we did a lot of Wiccan and Pagan stuff. Oh. We were very into that so vibe. So Child is a real thing that just... I it's a real it. thing okay. that has only taken root now in like the West Coast LA I vibe. See, I but see. it's been a thing for like 30 years. Got my it. vibe was like, I remember very specifically spending a weekend with my uncle and like a distant cousin vibe situation. And my distant cousin would, like, he'd grab a cat and, like, throw it against a wall. He was a shithead. <gasps> he was a shithead. And my thing, <laughs> I went to my uncle and I was like, he has eyes, but he doesn't see. Oh. I, and I was, like, five. Oh. And my, yeah, my uncle got was it. like, he's deep. He's got, like, shit going he's on. He's an old soul. Yeah, he's an old soul, yeah. right? So yeah. it's a fancy way of saying that. So that was me as a child. All right, so I was hypersensitive as a child, and I kind of knew everything that was going on. And then by the time I was like late middle school, high school, I was a piece of shit. <laughs> I was a bully. No, really? I was, you yeah, were a bully? yeah, for a while. I think, and I think my survivalist vibe was like, oh, this is the <laughs> this is the world. <laughs> I might as well be the other thing instead of being the thing that gets like picked on or whatever. Right. I'll be like a bully. That, the that's a sad... Dog. Yeah, that's... It's I'll, a conscious choice to be a bully. I don't know that it was conscious, but it was definitely evolutionary of uh-huh. like, oh, okay, Survival I'm super sensitive. This isn't working out. Yeah. Let's see what the other end of the spectrum is. Sure. So by the time I like moved into high school, I was kind of a piece of shit. But <laughs> the, the reason I tell you this is that the bullying version of a sensitive kid is a drama queen. <laughs> All right? Yes. version of a sensitive kid... Okay, got Is it. a it's drama, drama queen, queen, right? And the reason I tell you that is because once I moved into that whole thing, my first revelation of, like, being um, conned was realizing there was no Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. That was it. And so when my parents told Spoiler me there was, alert. yeah, there's yeah, no, sorry, sorry if you're, sorry if you're five and you're listening. If you have a pot, if you're listening to this with children. There's no Santa. Yeah. And, and if you're a, if you're a, the bullying version of a sensitive kid, you're a drama queen. So when my parents told me finally that there was like, there's no Santa Claus, I had a very mommy dearest version. How old were you? Uh, probably 10. 10 wow. or 11. So your wow. parents told you you didn't find out through your friends or anything? Yeah, they told we had a talk. <laughs> wow. You were like, you no, I have to believe. Yeah. What's that? You and your parents had a talk. Yeah, where I was like, all these, this will make sense later, but it was like, <laughs> all these points aren't adding up, and uh-huh. my parents were finally like, yeah, there's... There's fucking no Santa Claus, man. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> and no joke, I swear to God, this is my exact quote. I was like, how 
Could you? <laughs> I was like, I'll never believe anything you ever say again. Like very mommy dearest. Super elevated. It was major what? for me yeah. when they told me. Um, and that's my own fault. That's <laughs> but it was like it was a big dramatic moment when they told me. The same thing when, when they told me they couldn't get me a starter jacket. When I was like <laughs> What does that mean? I, I was uh, yeah, yeah for I wanted a Raiders starter jacket and they were like, no. And I had a very dramatic fit about it, which like if you're a sensitive person, a drama like being a drama queen is the version of bullying. I learned that very early where it's like, oh, my emotions will take hostage it's of everything. It's passive aggressive bullying. Yeah. A hundred percent. I got it. So, it's, what's her name? Is it Ruka Saltz? Yep. Daddy, I want to party. A hundred percent. It's very dramatic way of taking over the room. So uh, <laughs> I learned that. And that's my own fault. That's like a DJ Khaled, like. Congrats, you played yourself. Because I wanted to be very much... I still... Even though they hurt my feelings, I wanted to believe in Santa Claus. Yeah. I still wanted to believe, like, oh, they're telling me all this stuff, but I still want to believe in it. But deep in my heart, like, I knew that it wasn't right. So, um... Oh, no. No, to me, it still made sense, right? Like, I was like, okay, well, like, this fat man still comes and delivers presents and like that that's all fine but one night when i was like 6 or 7 i saw my parents wrapping presents right like i went to i got sent to bed and on then christmas i saw, eve? yeah on okay. christmas eve yep. and i saw my parents like wrapping presents and i was like hey what what the fuck is happening <laughs> and they were like well look you know, Santa doesn't, he's he's on a very tight schedule. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he can't possibly wrap all the presents, so we have him, we like help him out with wrapping all the stuff. And that did, that honestly didn't bother me. That was like very sweet and Christmassy. Well, it's logical too. Right. Like, you have to know that Santa needs help. This right. One of yeah. Santa needs help. Yeah. yeah. Santa needs help. parents are going to help. That doesn't bother me. Like, oh, okay, this is all part of Christmas. He's only human after all. (laughs) He's only human with an army of elves and flying reindeer. And he lives forever. And he lives forever. But he needs our help. Sure. So, like, my parents are helping Santa Claus. Fine. And then... Then we reached mall Santas. And I was like, well, how can he be in all of these places? And that's a very, I feel like outside of my family, that's a very common refrain, right? Like, oh, these are Santa's helpers, right? And to me, I was like, well, that seems like unnecessary and scammy. (laughs) I don't get why. Like, you could just have any dude be there and that would be fine. Take down what you want for Christmas. But I still get it. There's a logic. Like, Cool. He wants to keep up the aspiration of Christmas. Mm-hmm. It's so there's, yeah, it's marketing. <laughs> so that's why there's Santas at like the Glen Burnie Mall and the Annapolis Mall. And the, <laughs> I get it. I'm I'm smarter than all these kids, but I understand <laughs> why there are different Santas. So and then as I got older, 
I get why like kids from the 1800s got fooled. <laughs> this is my thought process because I'm like, look, you wanted like a rocking horse or a hoop and stick, like plain <laughs> ass wooden shit that you're like Santa Claus can make those things, yeah. Yeah. Right? right? But like a kid that's like seven or eight in the 80s, I wanted Ninja Turtles. Right. <laughs> and my parents would be like, because I, I would say to them, like, what's the deal? Does he have, like, a whole, like, toy factory? Right. And they'd be like, as a matter of fact, he does. Oh, wow. <laughs> he does have that. And he makes all the toys on Earth. Any toy you could ever want, Santa Claus makes those. And I was like, that doesn't make sense, but magic. Yeah. Mag- right? Magic. Like, yes. I, I still, I'm willing to buy it because it, you know, magic sure, explains sure. all of it. And then one year... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get a toy that I wanted. Oh, right? no. And in the midst of that year, my parents had forgotten all the bullshit that they had told me over the years. <laughs> and they were like, oh, uh, well, Santa, they must have been sold out at the store where Santa went to get it. Oh, Because no. they, they were like lying their con all the way through this. And I was like, yo, but you didn't say that. You said that like Santa makes them. <laughs> Santa makes shattered. Santa makes all those toys, wow. and they were like, "Well, he does." Oh no! <laughs> and they started getting caught in their lie. They were like, "Well, he does make the toys, but he can only make so many before Christmas, and then if the store doesn't have them after he's made his X amount, and then the store has their oh, amount, then like you can't." So now Santa, all the magic is lost. Yeah. Santa is now like <laughs> now Santa has like production deadlines <laughs> yeah. and like supply and demand outcomes. He's just but still I believed in Santa Claus. Like he wasn't really romantic at this point, but I he believed was kind of a jerk. Yeah. Okay. It was just like, oh well, he's like just a person like anybody he's else. But it's still cool. Mm-hmm. I still like Santa. <laughs> and I still believed in him. Even though this dude works one day a year and he can't get his shit together enough to like wrap all the presents or to like show up to to the mall any day or even though it's only his only job he has to show up like one day a year and he can't pull it all together I still believed and do you know why why do you know why I still believed I'll tell you why I still believed (laughs) the fake news media Yeah, Santa Tracker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I would turn on WJZ, WJZ TV 13 in Baltimore. There was a man, Jerry Turner, who I loved so much that when he passed away, I sobbed. Oh. I sobbed at like eight years old. I was so sad that he was that very sensitive. Yeah. Very mm-hmm. sensitive child. Mm-hmm. I, I sobbed that liberal... Fake news media cuck. <laughs> I sobbed at his death. He told me that Santa was on the way. Who right? Because it? because you would you would turn on the news at my age. You would turn on the news and then they'd be like, and we're going to go to the weather expert or whatever. And it would show oh, yeah. Santa Claus. Tracking across right. the country. Yeah. Yes. It's like, here's Santa, the Santa tracker on the NORAD thing. Yep. And here he is. And he's right by Baltimore. You better get into bed or you're not going to get any presents. I would jump into bed. Yep. And my parents would get on the roof. <gasps> my parents would get on the roof and shake bells. No! Oh yes! My God. Yes! What parents are these? 
Listen. Love they have their ups and their downs. <laughs> when it came to Christmas, my wow. parents fucking knocked that in, shit out the of the park. In Maryland, in the snow, yeah. on the roof. On the roof, bells. shaking bells. So they would they would do all of that. Um, and they'd be like, you know, you better get into bed. And they would like shake it. It was a very sweet con. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so up until that point, I was like, Santa Claus is real. I like I have my reasons why I'm skeptical, but I have all these and you're ten? pluses. I'm like nine, okay. eight, eight to ten, yeah. right? Um, but the problem was one year I asked for a big present, okay, and uh, <laughs> it's a present that's so consequential and so important, and that I needed so badly that I cannot remember it. <laughs> but it was a big deal. I wanted it so badly. And uh, my parents, bless them, they, uh, they weren't what I would consider poor, but we definitely had stretches of, like, uh, lower middle class. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, we would sleep in the same bedroom at night for heat, or we would, like, uh, open up the stove, and that was, like, what we would do for heat, or, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of vibe. And uh, people would come and be like, hey, I heard your house is up for auction. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> like that kind of vibe. Like, people would come and look at the house. So, like, we, we had those ups and downs. But... Oh, but they still got on the roof. Yeah. Bells. Right. They never let me feel that for Christmas. That's amazing. Right? Which, like, salute to them. Mm-hmm. Like, we had those ups and downs throughout the year. But when it came to Christmas, it was like, no, you're going to get a fucking Christmas. You know? And I, I can't... Not to like take the levity of the story and bring it down, but that is no, the that's truth. Really yeah. Sweet. yeah, like Do you have siblings? Do you have siblings? I have a brother, yeah. And it was like they never let us experience a bad Christmas. That's it was great. like we'll do without to make that happen. Um <laughs> so for the most part, like uh I I could always have that nice Christmas and shout out to them for that. Um but then as I got older, there there were a couple of times where like it felt short of the mark of my like Lord Fauntleroy, little <laughs> I want a thing, yeah. <laughs> and uh, eventually they started tempering it with these things of like, you know, when you start asking for really big things when you get like nine and ten, they were just like, uh, uh, okay, look, so uh, fuck it, um, we we pay for Santa, we we pay Santa for the toys. So he takes your wish list, and then Santa, he takes your wish list, and then he figures out what we can pay, and then and then from that, he he keeps that in mind when he buys the stuff. So gradually, as time went by, <laughs> well, that's Santa became... Yeah, it is. It is. Santa Everyone became this, bus. like, real, <laughs> unmagical UPS man, <laughs> where it was like... Because I busted him wrapping presents one time. It's like, well, why do you wrap presents? And they're like, Santa's busy. And it's like, so you have to wrap part of Santa's presents? And they're like, yeah, we do. And it's like, okay, well then, so he wrapped some of your presents. Uh, That's fine. But then what happens when you don't have the money? And they're like, look, if you don't have the money for the thing, I know he's the embodiment of all of, like, goodness, but if we don't have the money, Santa says... Go fuck yourself, kid. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. So now I like I still believed in Santa Bees just this glorified UPS man who just like he wrapped some of the president uh, of the presents unless he didn't have time. And he wouldn't go to the mall unless he had time. And then he had like 
limited stock. <laughs> he's the living embodiment of generosity. But if he didn't have that time, he was like, I don't know, go fuck yourself. Like, <laughs> so Santa became this really glorified, unqualified UPS man that I was like, thank you, Santa. You gave me all the things that are basically my... <laughs> that are, which by the time I got to 10, it was very much the mommy dearest, which where my parents told me they, were, they gave up. They were like, fuck it, there's no Santa Claus. Like, we can't keep up this lie. There's no Santa Claus. And that's when I did the very dramatic, like, I can't yeah. believe you! <laughs> How much you do that? <laughs> and that was, and no wonder they didn't tell me there was a Santa Claus until I was 10, because, like, who wants to deal with that? Yeah. <laughs> I just read an article right before Christmas that was talking, this woman was talking about, um, the author was saying, don't, Tell your kids expensive presents are from Santa because there are so many yeah. families that can't afford to fulfill right. those expensive mm-hmm. wishes. So yeah. don't tell them the iPhone is from Santa right. because then kids whose parents can't afford to buy them an iPhone be like, why won't Santa why won't bring he me get an me? iPhone? Yeah. Right? Like, so Santa can bring you your you know reasonably priced whatever, bicycle, yeah. whatever it is, but he's not bringing you the $1,000 iPad. Yeah. Yeah. We got presents from our parents and from Santa. Yes, yeah, so did we. And we got less presents from Santa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Santa stuff was all random stuff. Like, it was all, like, fun stuff my parents maybe thought we wanted. Uh-huh. But I don't remember getting, like, Santa gave you the thing you wanted. I also don't remember making... I think if we had even bothered to make a list, my dad would have beat us. Like, there was no... Right, Ian? No list. No list. There was never a request. It's so funny. My my nephew, Caden, who's, um, he's older now. He's 15. But when he finally found out that Santa wasn't real, on Christmas morning, he had asked for a bike. He'd gotten the bike. And I think that he had probably seen the box that the bike came <laughs> in. Like, you know. So my sister took him out to ride that morning on their bike. And in the middle of the bike ride, he stopped. And she said, what's the matter? And he said, I have to ask you a question. Is there an Easter bunny? Oh, buddy. Yeah. And she said, what do you What do you mean? She said, I just need to know, is there an Easter bunny? And she said, well, what do you think? And there was a <laughs> long pause, and she said he put his head down on the handlebars of his brand new bike. Oh, boy. And then he looked up at her with tears streaming down his face and said, I'm tired of the lies. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have a kindred spirit in my nephew. Yeah. He's not wrong. I feel like eight. Eight is the cutoff age. Yeah. Because you were mad, you were angry. Ten ten feels fair. How old are you in ten? You're in fourth Fourth grade. grade. Fifth grade. Fifth grade. Yeah, I was in second grade and Michael was like, there's no Santa. And I was like, mom, Michael said there's no Santa. I feel like it's yeah. Or something else? I feel like it's okay. Fifth grade is okay to me. Yeah, the school like, kids weren't telling you there was no oh, story. Yeah. No, there were, but I mean, yeah. I, I always had very intellectual explanations of why it could be real. Well, this, like in you movies, a lot of time they have stuff. 100%. Like in movies, they have the yeah, idea that like your parents <laughs> do it, but like Santa comes in and like drops the thing in that even the parents don't know how it got there. Like that, yeah. or Santa has to be believed in. 
And because everybody's yeah. not believing yeah. in him, it yes, means please. like he doesn't deliver as much yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, there's all these permutations of theory. And mine was like, well, listen, you know, we're all figuring out the science. Um, <laughs> we're all figuring out the science. Yeah, mine was very methodological. Mine wasn't like a super superstitious thing. Mine was like, well, let's consider the facts. We've been told by everyone we love that there is science behind this. And then when you look at the Weather Channel and WBAL, they're all <laughs> saying these things. And when we consider, everybody's in on it. Yeah, like, like is it is it a conspiracy theory that every parent we know says this? Right. Or, like, I was very logical. Yeah. They say that, though, about, uh, I, like, in Under the Banner of Heaven, they were talking about how you can have scientists, like, people who believe in, who are completely well-versed in the history of the world, yeah. in archaeology, and, and, you know, everything, but they will believe that uh, Joseph Smith found uh, right, yeah. right. found plates and whatever, and right. they'll believe that, like, he talked about things that couldn't have existed at that time, and it's like... That you can, even if you're scientifically blinded, yeah. rationalize anything. And because it's something you've been taught, so it's not insane to you to go like, no, this is this is true. Uh-oh, Ian's drunk. I am a little. Gary, not Smith. Not Smith. Well, Smith might be too. So we have a we have a big Christmas here every year, um, with my whole family and we host a five, right? So um, and we have all the kids spend the night with a big sleepover on Christmas oh, Eve. That's really fun. Each year the kids get older and, and right, one of them will fall Christmas off Eve, the please, one of them will <laughs> fall off the Santa wagon. But my a couple a few years ago, my nephew Jenner, who's my brother's oldest kid, um, he and he's a very smart, sensitive kid. Um, and he for the year, the year before that, he was he's a total tech nerd. He was setting up um, walkie-talkies and microphones and cameras trying to catch Santa. <laughs> which, like, we knew he was not trying to catch Santa. He was trying to catch us. Like, we knew he knew, but he was hanging on, right? Mm-hmm. So then, flash forward to the, the following year. And uh, he just won't go to bed. He won't stay in bed. Like, all the other kids are in bed, and we can't start moving Doing things until yeah. he goes to sleep. And he's stalling. He's in the bathroom taking an hour to brush his teeth. And we're like, go to bed. So then my brother, his father, comes out and says, Jenner wants to talk to you. So I, I'm upstairs on the landing with him. And I, he comes out of the bathroom. And he's got tears on his cheeks. And he goes, I have to talk to you. Oh. Um, and I said, okay, what's going on? He said, I know the truth. And I said, what? He said that there is no magic. Oh. And I said, I said, no, you are the magic. And I took him into my bedroom. You're not wrong. I took him into the bedroom where in Chick's closet we had all of the gifts hidden. And I opened the door and it was like, (sighs) there it was. Like everything, like where could it be, right? It's all in one closet. It's all wrapped. It's all stacked and hidden behind stuff. And he got to help us move gifts and put bows on packages for the first time. And the next year, I was like, Jenny, you ready? He's like, I don't want to. I'm busy. I'm going to bed. Screen time. It was over. It's like I'm growing boner hairs. Yeah, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. When there's ten kids in the house, it's a lot of fucking work. Yeah. Wow, that's nuts. Yeah. I I like I read the allegory of the cave my freshman year of college, and then and I was like, oh, this. This is about Santa. Because it's like the people are chained. Yeah. And they make the... Uh, the people are chained and they can only see the back wall, right? And then there's the people up here that make the shadows. They're walking back and forth. 
and right. they make the shadows on the wall. So the people on the chains can only see the shadows on the wall, and that's what right. they believe to be true. And eventually one of them breaks the chain, and they walk, they walk out of the cave completely right. and see the sun. But they always come back and end up making the shadows on the... They end up coming back. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. And I was like, this so is not Santa Claus. You can be three, Plato two, or one. Just... <laughs> but if you break three, you, you can go to one. Mm-hmm. And you help two. Yeah. Right? Exactly. exactly. I haven't read that. I read that in high school. And I totally forgot everything about it. The allegory. It's just that there's basically children are looking at a wall. The parents are up on a ledge making shadows. And the only thing the kids can see are the shadows. Eventually, yeah. the kids break their chains and they go out of the cave. They see the world, but eventually, they come back and they make the shadows. Shadows the for, their for their children. And I was like, "I basically give me my degree now. I got it. <laughs> I got freshman fall semester Plato. Give me a doctorate in philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ian, are we ready? Okay. Oh, Mary Jo, bring us Man, home. Mary Jo, uh, stop. Man, I just got really nervous. Um, okay, so I don't, I might, if you, if I get, if this is rambly and it very well may be, please feel free to ask questions because I'm not exactly sure how to, how to tell this narrative because I can't call this a story. So, um, although Santa's really good and that might have been my first real con, but, um, so my first con so my, um, I'm the oldest of five kids, and you've heard me talk about my family on this podcast many mm-hmm. times, and, and my mom has been on this podcast and whatever, so some of this stuff may be sort of known to anybody that's listening that has listened before, but, um, so when I was about probably around um, nine years old, um, my parents uh, started going through um, the, the. It took my parents probably like a good two years to really separate. They went back and forth a lot. Um, they um, were ultimately married sixteen years, but those last two years um, they were mostly not married, and it was very volatile. My father was. Um, uh, my father. I don't know what my father is. He's crazy. He. Um, He's uh, probably bipolar, Um, although uh, this is interesting, right? So I don't have a relationship with my father today, and I really haven't had my father in my life since I was 11. So my memories of my father are so limited in scope and in language and in... um, Also, like, memory is weird, right? Like, I can tell you a story, and I know that some of my story is probably influenced by photographs that I've seen a lot that are influencing a memory versus an actual moment in time that the five-year-old me would actually remember, yeah. right? So, right, right. So there's a little bit of that in this, but this really is my first con. So the first, like, con that had a really emotional impact on me. So um, at some point during those two years that my parents were um, unhappily married, and my father was violent. My father was um, very um, aggressively violent um, towards uh, two of us, m- myself and, and one of my siblings, and my mom. And, and um, he beat us, and he was very angry. And, um, uh, and, uh, and yet I still loved him, and that's a whole other con, right? So then, um, so at some point in the middle of their marriage falling apart... My mother took the 
the oldest of us three aside individually and I called my sister this morning to like check some of this stuff with her because I, I needed yeah. to sort of get some clarification around mm-hmm. this so uh, my mom uh, worked from home but she had she was a therapist and a, a Reiki gestalt therapist and massage therapist and she had a studio that was like a little shed at the back of our property that was like a she had converted into a, a studio so she would go to work by going to this the back of this room so she took us one at a time um, into her studio and she held us in her arms and she said your father isn't your father and that was mm. that was when i found out that my father that but i was an artificial insemination baby right so if you've listened to this podcast i've talked about this before um, but that was how you found out i found out this was in the middle of my parents' marriage breaking down. This was also in the middle of two very violent years um, with my father. Um, and did you know at the time that the marriage was breaking down, or did you just? Oh uh, yeah, I mean you knew. Okay, so you. I mean, I was I was like, young, but I knew. I mean, my it was very violent. Like my father was a a, a very big, tall, strong man, and I um, he ripped a oven door off. Whoa. So yeah, like that's pretty strong. Very violent guy, <laughs> um, and I, uh, yeah. So, um, so that was that was how I found out that my father was not my biological father. Mm-hmm. So, in talking to my sister this morning, I was trying to piece a lot of this together. So, um, this was also like soon after that, um, I. I, I, I didn't, well, not soon after that. So I didn't find out until later in my adult life that my father did not want us to be told. that my And that I think that my mother was using that to punish my father. Of course. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, I yeah, know. yeah, no, no. Sorry, do I feel No, 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 it's, it's fair. Um, yeah. it, that is what was happening, that my father did not want, so the first three kids in my family are artificial insemination. They had said my father was sterile. I've told this story before on this podcast, and then all of a sudden, my two youngest, my, young, my mother got pregnant got with pregnant. the fourth kid, and, right, um, and he wasn't sterile after all. So, um, but yeah, so this was sort of a, a weapon that my mother wielded, mm-hmm. Um, and it, and then shortly after that, we were moving away. And one of the things that I remember very clearly was saying, we can't leave because who's going to take care of dad? And then my father's saying, but I'm not your dad. Oh, so he... At that point, two years later, he, he was knew. so angry, right? Yeah. 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 So... Angry at your mom. Sorry. Yeah, he was angry at my mom. But and he was angry... I don't know. Like, I, I have to say, like, I don't know why... And this is where the real con comes in, right? So let me, I'm going to try to keep to an narrative. I tried to write some of this down, right? So he's not my natural father, but he's still my dad, right? right. Like he's married to my mom. He's been in my life since right. before I was conceived. They did this process together. together. Yeah. He's your dad in all definitions. He's yeah. my dad. Yes. Um, and um, although I have to say, like, when I learned that he didn't want us to know... That was a whole nother level of con of like, wow, I've been used as a pawn in this angry relationship. Know you to what? Know you to know what specifically? <laughs> what? Want Did you to know that uh, that he wasn't their biological okay. father? Right. So you know, my mother told us that he wasn't our biological father. He didn't want us. He didn't want her to tell. 
Um, so, you know, she's using us to be, to get back at mm-hmm. him because she's angry at him. And listen, I'm the oldest of five. My father left when my youngest sister was an infant. Um, he was violent. He was sexually abusive. He was a, a very angry man. Um, his, I was his first target. Like there shouldn't have been really a lot of reason yeah. for me to cling to him. And here Except comes, your dad. here comes the other con, right? So he's my dad and I love my dad. And when we moved away from where my dad was living and we were like, we're moving away far away, not going to easily see you again far away. Um, I was devastated. Like who is going to take care of him? And um, so my dad was not in the room we were told, but I have a very distinct memory of when I sort of had my meltdown of like, who is going to take care of dad when we yeah. leave? Um, I remember but what's very so interesting is that you're saying who's going to take care of dad and you're the kid. I know. Well, that's yeah. a whole nother podcast, yeah. but, uh, sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so then here's the other next level of the con. I've spent so much of my life up until about, I don't know, five or six years ago when I finally forgave my dad. I spent so much of my life wondering, like, why? Why did he hate me? Why did he hit me? Why wasn't I enough? Why wasn't I good enough? Why didn't I, why didn't he love me enough? Why, why, you know, like all that kind of stuff, right? Like, why, why was I a target for his violence? why right um and i spent like countless hours and years in therapy and i wrote letters that i would never send you know and burned them and (laughs) and i filled journals with pages and i wrote comedic essays laced with you know (laughs) irony and and haha isn't this funny and you know, I, I, I've told stories on this podcast about, you know, being abused by my father. And I, and that's like, in a way, like this, the biggest con of all, right? Like my <laughs> whole life, because I've always been haunted and I always use the word haunted. And then as soon as I say it, I think that's very dramatic, but it is like, I've been haunted <laughs> by this idea that how do you, can you judge someone based solely on the worst thing they've ever done? And I believe you can't. I do believe you can't because I love my father, even though my father beat the shit out of me, right. and um, and it's okay. Like, no, but, yeah, yeah. Um, how is that possible, right? Like, that's such a crazy thing. How do you have so much love for somebody who was so? Uh, he was a monster. Mm. Um, so I recently learned about two weeks ago. That my father has dementia. Mm. Um, so even though my father's not in my life today, um, somebody who uh, I grew up with who lives in the same town where my father still is when I left, that I left when I was 11, um, reached out to say, listen, we wanted you to know that we heard that your father is really suffering and we thought you should know. And my brother had called me and, to tell me about this. And, um, you know, the cons sort of started up again, like, Oh, what am I supposed to do here? Like, yeah, what responsibility do yeah. I have? What am I supposed to do to take care of my dad? Like, this con, whatever this is, and maybe con's not the right word, but it's the only thing yeah. that came up when this yeah. when yeah. this topic was pitched, right? So, and this whole time, too, in addition to sort of like, in my whole, this whole time meaning my life, um, in addition to wondering why, 
I've also romanticized my dad. So here comes another con, right? So like I've put my <laughs> violent, mm-hmm. sexually abusive father on a pedestal. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Right. I have I have longed for him. I have wanted answers about him. Yeah. I've wanted to know why. Why? What's going on? Why did you hate me? Why did you hit me? Why? Right? Why won't you love me? Instead of like just letting that go. Like that's such a fucking crazy con. I con myself with the... Are you okay? Yeah. No, I'm fine. <laughs> um, you're just hitting a lot of points. Sorry. Indigo child is getting a lot of points. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. Okay. Um, as I started thinking about this, like, holy shit. Like, this is like a lasagna of cons. You know? Like, this starts it at is. the very beginning of... My pa- my mother's re- justification, and if she will probably listen to this podcast. So her justification at the time was it was time for she wanted us to know the truth. That's fine, but I was ten. My sister was eight. My brother was six. Right. It's not yeah. time to know the truth. You don't understand the truth. No. You don't understand what that means, especially when it's your artificial insemination. Huh? What? Like right. adoption? Right. Maybe that's on your radar, but you don't understand test tubes and turkey basters and right. all that shit, right? So, um, so yeah, so. But it's also passive aggressive, and it's and it's using yeah. us, her, her children, against him, and and all of that. And then he's not my father. And I was talking to my sister this morning, and she was like, she remembers very clearly being taken into the back, and my mother held her in her arms, and said, "Your father's not your father." And her response was, and I wrote it down. She said, "So what? He's still my dad." Yeah. And that's the thing, right? Like that's the thing. He's my dad. That's the weirdest con. So the con is, there's this word dad. It's this three-letter word, right? Like, he's my dad. What the fuck does that mean? He was married to my mom. Uh, he was in my life for a short period of time. He sang songs to me on his guitar. Well, it's like, he it's put a me in his... Olympic, Olympics, you know, where it's like, oh, this person existed in my life for this X amount of time. Yep. What does that pay me versus somebody else? Right. You know, even yeah. if it is three years, two years, one year. Right, and then what What I made that mean, what I made right. him mean in my life, and what I made his actions mean about who I am, right. about how I was right. not enough, which had, which was not real. Right. No. That's right. not right. real. That was his right. con, or that was his problem, but I conned myself into believing that I wasn't enough and that I somehow deserved all of that or that yeah. I could have changed that somehow if I had been somebody else. And believe me, I, I don't walk around worrying about this today. But but that That's the feeling. Yeah, it's a yeah. it's it's really crazy to me that I spent decades in therapy wondering <laughs> what could I have done differently? Why did he hate me? Why did you know what? Why what is it about me? That I don't think it's a right. hatred. It's it's probably it, not. It but they, but as a kid, that's how you yeah. digest it, right? Like I'm being hit, so yeah. I that's must angry. It. I must right. deserve it. Now listen, yeah. there are times that my father hit me that uh, hitting a child is never appropriate. But there were definitely times when I did things that maybe pissed him off. Yeah. Um, like I took a hammer to his van once. So I was pissed at him. Um, <laughs> I don't remember oh. the details. Of that. That's yeah. like begging. For- uh, you know, I'm sure at that point I'd, I'd 
had him hammer on me a bit, so I was getting him back. Whatever it is, like those <laughs> those things happen. So I, this isn't like I'm some little girl in a frilly dress that just sat there pretty right, and then right, he came right, around right. and smacked like a pinata. I was a pain in the ass kid. That doesn't mean you should smack them like a pinata, but no. um, but I romanticized him, right? Like, no. oh my long lost dad. And oh, if only I could connect with him, we'd have this such beautiful relationship and I could fix it, it would be better. What a fucking con. Did you ever try? Did you ever do that and then it didn't turn out? So when I was 13, um, and this is when I was living at Jarma, which again, if you've listened to this podcast, you know what that is, the community where I lived. We used to have these meetings called Straight Talk. And they were every Sunday night, and everybody in the community would come to the living room, the adult living room. The kids weren't allowed yeah. in this room except for straight talk. Um, and we would sit in a big circle on the floor. And here was the thing about straight talk. You could say anything you want, anything you want. The only rule was you couldn't physically touch anybody, right? So if you were pissed off, this was a place to air your dirty laundry. And it could be, I remember this, the same kid that called my brother to tell us that my father is now with dementia his name is well it doesn't matter he called my brother he w- lived in the community with us and one time at straight talk he said someone's been eating rice cakes under my bed he slept on a futon on the floor there's no way to get under his bed right so but it's just a place to air your dirty laundry and as children we were um encouraged to, to speak our truths right so um and then uh, the adults would like poke the bear in the zoo a little bit like well, do you want to talk about this do you want to talk about this right so i would get sort of confronted to talk about my dad a lot and then it was decided by the adults in the community that i would go and confront my dad mm-hmm. i know uh <laughs> what i remember is that my mother put me on a greyhound bus by myself mm-hmm. uh when i was 13 i took a greyhound bus from mm-hmm. um ventura to uh, San Francisco, where I had to transfer mm-hmm. buses uh, to get to um, uh, Willits and uh, California, which is Northern California. And I was so afraid to get off the bus because of you don't want to get left behind. Oh which had happened to me once as a kid, as you know. I got mm. left behind by my own mother. Um, <laughs> when, we li- when we lived in a bus. Um, uh, and I went to confront my father about why he hit me. And I will never forget, this is very burned into my brain, and this is nothing with my con story, but here you go. Um, I know that I stayed with some friends of my parents. I don't remember who they were, but I remember staying in their house. They had a lovely house, and I they had some records, and I didn't know any of the music except one Beatles album, which I played a lot, and now I can never listen to because it, it just makes me sad. And I went to my father's house, which had been our house, the house we left. He was still living in it. Yep. And I went out on the back porch, and he was in the backyard. He was against the back fence, and um, he was working on his garden, and that was my dad's thing. Like, my dad, I think my dad was a crazy artist, and and he expressed himself through dirt and plants and flowers. And, um, God, I was so scared. And I stood on that porch, and I looked, and that was like... Also, I was back at my house that I had moved out of for two years before. So that was sort of like, whoa, I'm here. And I couldn't bring myself to get closer to him than I was. I was standing on the back porch, and he was all the way at the back of of the yard. And I said, I called to him across the backyard, and I said, why did you hit me? And he said, I never hit you. Mm. What? Which was a whole other con, mm. right? Like, so now my father, my father was crazy. And he just, it's just, he has selective memory. And for him, that's just gone. It just didn't happen. Right. Like, my father's crazy. So uh, that's shit. the other part of this. So years that's ago, five five years ago or so, 
after all of this time, oh, and I, I flipped out at that point. Like I, that was, I came back from that trip, dove straight into drugs and didn't come out for six years. Um, so I, um, went to visit my father about five years ago. Chick and I drove up to uh, Willits and my sister, um, Jenny met me up there. She's two years younger than me at the second child. And, um, we went to see my dad. And uh, it was it was a fine trip. Like it was very casual. It was very surface. It was I I had had I had sort of made um, uh, I had I had very little expectation about the trip. I wanted to tell my father I loved him. I hoped he would tell me that he loved me in return. That was all I wanted. Mm-hmm. I also knew that I might not get what I wanted, right. but that was that was my only goal. I didn't need to talk about the past. I didn't need to ask him anything. Like I. You know, that's a, that's so long ago. And I, up until that point, I had not seen or spoken to my father since I was 15 years old. Um, wow. At that point, I was in my 40s. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, so I, we went and saw him and we spent, we had lunch with him and then we, or we had dinner with him and then we spent the night in a hotel, not with my father. He went home and then the next day we went to have breakfast with him, and then we, when we went to say goodbye, we went to um, the community center, senior center, where he keeps the garden. He's in his 80s now, and he's um, got a wife um, who's, who's been with since, um, like, all this time. Uh, and so we went to his garden, and it's beautiful. Again, like, my father... He loved a garden. Loved a garden, and, mm. and his gardens were like jazz. There was no, there was no mm. real shape to his gardens, and yet it all... It was perfect. It's just beautiful. Yeah. It's just wildflowers and strawberries and corn and like somehow it all worked together. Asymmetrical wonderfulness. Yeah, mm-hmm. just you know, I mean, there were there were beds and you could walk between them, but it, it somehow connected and I don't know, it was beautiful. So at one point, my father went to go to the bathroom and he walked across the parking lot to the senior center and we were standing there. We we're getting ready to leave and my sister and I were near each other and we saw we turned to see my father come out of the building and. uh as he walked by this parked car, there was a German shepherd in the car. Mm-hmm. The windows were cracked, but the car- dog couldn't get out. Big dog, big German shepherd, angry dog, barking, starts barking at the window as this person comes right by, right? And any normal person would be just like, don't bother the dog, say, it's okay, buddy, and just keep going, you know, or maybe you wouldn't acknowledge the dog at all. But my father barked at the dog and grabbed the glasses. Oh, like geez. crazy. <laughs> and this was at the tail end of this 48-hour trip. And by the way, at breakfast, I had gone to my dad. I hugged my dad. I said, I love you, dad. Mm-hmm. And he said, I love you, too. So, like, I had gotten you that got moment. The thing. Yeah. Then we're at the garden. We're saying goodbye. This thing happens with the dog. Chick will tell you that in that moment, he looked at me, and he saw me look at my sister, and the two of us, like, going... Oh, yeah, there he is. There's my dad. Okay. There's the real dad. Like, even that weekend was a con of, like, Mm -hmm. this was all very sweet, and this was all very nice, but he's... It's there. all real, right? He is the sweet yeah. guy. He is the loving guy. He is the tender gardener. He is the guy that used to make us... He would carve elaborate birthday cakes for us out of Sara Lee pound cakes. He would make whatever you wanted. When you're one of the Wizard of Oz, I got it. I got the castle with the face and Dorothy, the Tin Man, this lion, the scarecrow, Toto, all of it carved out of cake. He made me a Mary Poppins cake or my sister a Mary Poppins cake one year. Like He was wow. amazing. All of that was true. 
Um, and he was violent and he was angry and he was inappropriate and all of those things were also true. Um, and now he has dementia. Mm -hmm. And so now my head is conning me again. I'm like, well, God, I gotta do something for my dad. Right. What am I supposed to do? You were worrying about who was going to take care of him when you were 11. Oh, I know. Well, that's a whole other thing. My no, therapist can tell you. I, I, I mean, I think it's a sad situation, but... <laughs> oh, it's awful. You're not in charge. You're not responsible. A hundred percent. You're absolutely right. But as a child, I... I the, the roles were often reversed in my family, not just with my father, but also with my mother. Um, and, uh, you know, none of that... It's all... Everything's fine. Like, I had so much therapy about this. I literally <laughs> have been in therapy for 30 years. So, I, I, it's all fine, but it's also all very sad. It is. Um, and that's my story. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you can diminish the amount of time that he was relevant in your life. Because he was in the first I agree. Yeah. eight years of your life. It's like if you took a seed and put it in good soil, or if you took a seed and put it on a rocky cliff. It still grew. Whatever but, it was. But it affected... That creativity is definitely part of Everything else from you. there on out. The thing is, like, the thing that's, I think, the hardest for me is just how sad. Like, I remember leaving Willits after that visit and crying in the car and trying mm-hmm. to figure out, like, why am I crying? Where is this coming from? Like, I think the thing that is hardest for me is, like, what a shame. Like, mm-hmm. he didn't get to know his children as adults. And mm-hmm. you've met most of my siblings. They've been on this podcast. They're amazing people. Yeah. They're intelligent and they're interesting and they have a sense of humor and they've had adventures and they've survived things and they have children and spouses who are wonderful. And he's missed all of that. And he's missed, he has 10 grandchildren. And he's missed all of that. And how sad that is. Like, what a waste. What a shame. What a con that is about life. Right? Like, like that's such a bummer. Yeah. I think there's something interesting, and other people have said this, but I think it's, it's more the thing we're told, which is the lie or the con is that when you have a kid, yeah, you'll instantly become yes. a parent. A parent. Yes. You'll become a loving mother, and that baby, and yes. like that's actually a lie, and that's a new thing that people force that's a con. That's force a con. women to believe. And so, if women have kids, and they're not instantly like, "This is my reason for There's being," There's something wrong with you, and or that you could be a dad, and it's like biologically producing children. Is doesn't automatically make you a parent. An expert. (laughs) And that makes all of us crazy. It makes the people who have children crazy, and it makes the children crazy. Because instead of going, oh, that's just some dude who never should have had, never should have raised children. Could have had them, but never should have raised them. Well, that's the thing. I'm sorry, go ahead, finish your thought. But that we we go, that's my dad, and there's something wrong with me, because look at those people. Their dad is good and stuck around. Right. And it's like, there are definitely people who can be lovely and great and amazing in your life, but they should not be around you 24-7 raising you. Well, and I've joked about this uh, my whole life, but my my parents should never have gotten married. I'm very grateful that they did, or I would not be sitting here. But my father did not want children. My mm. mother wanted 12. Mm. And 
they, he, I always, one of my, the first, when I first started doing stand-up, it was like one of my earliest jokes. It's not really a joke. It's very sad. <laughs> but, um, you know, my mother wanted 12. They were going to compromise and have six, but he left after five. And that's the truth. Like, they, they were set on six, and um, they, you know, he left right after my, it's interesting. My youngest sister didn't ex- really experience my dad at all because he left while she was a baby. You say left, but he lives in the, he lived in the house. He, right? So we had a house, um, there was two houses married together, oh. separated by like a laundry room. So it was like a bachelor unit mm-hmm. on the back house. And he moved to the And my dad, unit. he must have been gravely depressed because my dad would s- wrap himself in a down jacket and sleep for 48 hours in this back room. Now, I was really young and I didn't sure, know what yeah. the hell was going on, but that's classic depression. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and my mother was, yeah, yeah. you know, my mother was uh, a single, a, a, essentially a single, my father wasn't working. My mother was responsible for everything, and we didn't go to school, right? We were homeschooled, which didn't mean anything, but we just were in the house. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I... The, the I mean I I stayed home and took care of my my sister and I really took care of took our care of young yeah. yeah and then I have another question for you um, do you think a reason your mom told you might have been to help you disconnect from him like she was oh, planning yeah, on that, disconnecting I, from him that tracked I mean sure. yeah and I it guess was so if he's a, being violent to you yeah she's mm-hmm. saying hey he's not actually your dad. So don't worry. take this as personally. It wasn't mixed with that, but I hear what you're saying. Yeah, that's, oh. mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, but she's also, trying you know to what? Do I shouldn't be too. so. I shouldn't be so dismissive of that. You could be right. Again, I was young, right? So mm-hmm. my memory is what my memory is. I, that's why I called my sister. I was like, I need to know what you remember about these mm-hmm. conversations, because um, I'm working on something right now, writing something that's about memory and how interesting it is and how. Mm-hmm. We think we have a memory, and then we realize, no, I've just seen a photograph of a moment in time so often that I have implanted a memory around mm-hmm. this moment, or someone I have told you the story. someone told me a story, and I think I've lived that story. Like I remember recently, I told my brother's story, and he was like, "No, no, no, you were part of that. You're talking like you weren't there, but you were not. Had no, me- I knew about the event. I thought I had been told it as a story, but in fact, <laughs> I was actually there. So memory's weird like that, it right? Well, Makes you feel a little crazy or like a liar, right?" Also, in that same predicament, your mom was a victim to some degree, too, I would imagine. Oh, 100%. My father beat her, too. So. Put her hand through a window once. So she's 50% hanging on to her own Mm -hmm. sanity. Oh, yeah. And And reaching out to her children, trying to hang on to their sanity at the same time. And it's not a logical choice. It's, It's... yeah. You Reaching and I are, the, are connected by blood. That man is not. Like we are we're gonna be a team now. Right. The next and thing who that knows what was driving my mother. I mean, she was Have you she guys had ever a brand about new it? baby. Um about this moment. Is it a, no, not about a, that moment. You pull a thread and it all falls apart. Pretty much. Yeah. Wow. All yeah. right, guys. Because we could talk about this Sorry. forever. I know. I, know. I like want to. I know like, it's so yeah. good. Um, but I have to be the police of this. Podcast. Yes, you do. All right. Um, Katie Rose, will you tell shameless plugs? Social where they can media. Find you? I feel like I did it at the beginning, you and I feel bad your about Instagram handles, Twitters. 
Uh, Your tweeters. Okay, so I I I have a show that I host sometimes in uh, Glendale, mm-hmm. beautiful mm-hmm. Glendale, California, uh-huh. at Gaucho's, the Brazilian steakhouse. Oh, where they serve you meat on a sword? <laughs> yes. So anyway, they have like a bar up front. They have amazing drink specials. It's like four dollars, and for very nice wine oh, and, let's and go, cocktails Colleen. and stuff. It's a free stand-up show, and I host. And I very recently did a my own stand-up act at the comedy store. So nice. maybe yeah. I'll even do my own st- stand-up there. But I kind of yeah. do my own stand-up, but I call it hosting. But it's yeah. stand-up, you know. That's a, yeah. So that's every single Wednesday that happens. But I only, I usually host What's the name of the week. show? It's like com- a gaucho's comedy oh, okay. lounge. Right. I think it's Doug comedy. Bass runs a show, and, and he's a sweet guy. Mm-hmm. who had been my friend for 20 years. Was my prom date. He gaucho was? Yeah. No, no. Doug Bass, <laughs> who puts together the oh, show. Okay. Yeah, so I have that coming up. And then other than that, you can follow me. And uh, I'm a dog walker, so I have a lot of great Instagram stories of very cute oh, Hollywood cute dogs. What is your yeah. Instagram handle? Uh, KT, like the letter K, the letter T, Rose Donahue, but it's D-O-N-O-H-U-E. Okay. Uh, that's also my Twitter, but like I never tweet. If I tweet, it's like about the Philadelphia Eagles. It's like really not worth it. <laughs> but you're from but, New Jersey. Why are you tweeting about the Eagles? Oh, but I, the Eagles. my whole family's from Philly. Oh, okay. But so my dad taught public school in Philly. We just lived right over okay, the right over the bridge there in, in Jersey. All right. The jurors, dirty jurors. Ian Gary, where can people find you? Um, it's the same for like <laughs> I'm a mid Atlantic comedian person. So yeah. if you like Eagles and things like that. I'm in that world, even though I'm a Baltimore Raven. No, I'm a Baltimore Ravens fan. But like, by all means, go for it. Is that what you tweet about? I don't at all. I don't at all. I'm I'm strictly political. What is your Twitter handle? Uh, It's Man Without a Country. Wait, well, hold on. Twitter is Ian Gary tweets. And I think that's it. That's very clever. <laughs> and yeah. Instagram is Man Without a Country? And Instagram is Man Without, Man Without a Country? Facebook is both. Facebook is both Man of those things? That's your podcast, Man that Without a Country. That is indeed. And I do a podcast. Uh, I'm trying to be more regular about that because it's <laughs> like, you know, it's tough. Well, there's nothing going on in politics. So what would no. You I know, what right? would you even talk it's about so right now? It's such a dry time. No, um, uh, I don't want to bombard people with like the same thing. Like the the first uh, episode of this year is like the entire Russia timeline. The entire Russia timeline, literally. Good lord! So it's it's kind of dry in the sense of what are we going to pick apart? But I do try and make it something where it's like here here are the highlights. Is it an eight-hour podcast? No, it's it's podcast. forty-five minutes. It's a really great podcast. You should first listen to ours, then listen. And to can yeah. you find it on iTunes and all the you places? You can all those places, and it's it's forty-five minutes of here are the highlights of the the Russia corruption that is destroying our democracy. Hooray! Man without a country. Man without a country. Man that's that's what I'm doing right now. It's a great title. Ian, tell everyone where you were at. From everywhere. Ian. Ian screams. Ian screams everywhere all at once. Colleen. Oh, me? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mary Jo LA. You can find me on Instagram at Mary Jo underscore LA. You can find me on Facebook at Mary Jo Smith. It's a public account. Help yourself is because there is no privacy. <laughs> and sure. rain is wet. Uh, and Chick? 
Oh, Chick, our, our co-producer, T. Chick McClure, who does all of the fabulous uh, photographs of our guests um, and our and ourselves as well. Uh, T. Chick McClure, he is at T. Chick Photo um, on Instagram and Twitter and T. Chick McClure on Facebook. Yeah. yeah. I'm uh, Colleen Smee on Twitter. There you go. And Colleen Marie Smee on Instagram. We are at myfirsttimepodcast.net on the internet. Uh, we're on iTunes as well. Please leave reviews. Oh, yeah, click like. Click like. Tell your um, do that. We are also on Facebook, so you feel free to send us messages of episodes you like to do, or you can send us stories and we'll read them aloud. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then. Uh, what's, when are you guys going to do a live show? We're going to do those starting soon at the Groundlings in LA. Uh, if you want any of the music in its com- uh, completeness and tracks, uh, feel free to hit up Ian at, uh, at Ian Screams. And he's also on SoundCloud. Yeah, he composes all the music. Yes. And I think that's all of the crucial information. Oh, we are also on Instagram now, and all of our pictures are there yes. at My First Time Podcast. I have to say, watch Oh